Welcome to the study of God's Word recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Well, it's really good to be here. It's been a while since I've actually been in a pulpit because uh, about, about two years ago, we closed down our church right around COVID in uh, Colorado Springs. And since then, we've just been um, sharing Christ in our business and doing, the, doing our business and loving our kids, our grandkids, and doing different things. But I prayed a lot about you know, what to, to teach tonight. And when I look at the world today, and maybe it's just me, but isn't that crazy? You know, up is down, and down is up, and right is left, and you know, right is wrong, and all these different things. And for me, like during COVID, I was getting angry just at all the lies. I was getting angry at every aspect, because, you know, the people that were, you know, full-on masks were sometimes masked Nazis, and the people that didn't want to wear a mask, they were angry, and it's like, man, everybody's angry. And then there's, what comes about with anger is, is worry, right? Because we worry about, you know, what are they going to think, or what are they going to do? We worry about, you know, who people think we are, and when we look at anger and we look at worry, and we're going to be in Psalm 37 tonight, so if you have your Bibles, turn there. But right off the bat, God says, do not fret. Or the King James says, fret not. And when we look at that word, uh, it can be literally translated as anger, anxiety, worry, fear. And what does worry produce? What does anger produce? Not a scientist, not a doctor, but I know from experience that when I worry, I can feel it in my body. When I get angry, my blood pressure rises. Worry and anger are not good for us physically, are they? Not good for us mentally, not good for us in our social groups or anything. So that's why God says, do not worry. It tells us here in Psalms, and not just in this Psalm, but in several Psalms, Proverbs talks about it. Jesus talks about it in the Sermon on the Mount. Paul reminds us of it in Philippians and a couple other places in his epistles. So when we look at the theme of worry and anger, it's all throughout the Bible, and God just says, don't do it. So what's the opposite, or what's the alternative to worry? Well, we trust, right? We have faith in a faithful God. We, we look unto him, and we want to put our trust in him. And we're going to look at some different words here in the first eight verses of chapter 37 of Psalms. And they, they really strike home as to what God expects of us, God, what God wants of us. Not because of we can do it in and of ourselves, but because of what he can do in us and through us when we just commit ourselves to him. Amen? Is anybody here worrying tonight? Yeah, there's some honest people there. <laughs> well, hopefully after tonight, we can all leave because leave it with this attitude of, you know what? Worry is not of the Lord. Worry is of my flesh. 
The enemy wants you to worry. You know, the enemy wants us to run around like chickens with their heads cut off. Just aimlessly everywhere, knocking into walls. But God is in control. And as I teach this tonight, I'm actually preaching to myself. And I'm living out you know, all these things that I've, I've t- I'm talking to you about. Because it's been a crazy two years. And I'm just real excited just to be able to, able to be used by God again. So let's pray and let's get into his word. Lord, we thank you for your word. I know, Lord, that uh, you say of it, it's living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. You tell us to delight ourselves in your word. You tell us, Lord, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can come to you uh, in humility, in weakness, and that you'll strengthen us by your spirit because you've given us your word, you've given us your, your promises, and you've given us your spirit. So tonight, Lord, I just pray for your heart to be shared, for your words to go forth, and through it all, Lord, that you would be glorified and that your body here would be edified. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look. Psalm 37. We're going to read the first eight verses, then we're going to go through them one by one. And then depending on time, we'll see, um, see how I do and what else we can get into here. So I'm reading from the New King James. It says, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as a noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. So let's look at a bunch of these words that we have here in each of these verses. He starts out and he says, do not fret. And like when I started out, I said, you know, fret can be anger, it can be an annoyance, it can be frustration, or it can be worry. And we're not to be angry because of evildoers. I, I read the news all the time, and I'm on um, the, the right and on the left. I'm reading, you know, all the way from CNN to just these obscure rags that give you just some real, you know, bizarre information. And as I read these things, I see that the liberals... Everything's cool. Everything's great. The conservatives, it's like, what is going on? And I've come to the realization that as as a believer, there's so much evil out there that's being pumped into us. So much evil that they want you to believe and they want to to bend, you know, the the truth. It's like George Soros. He's buying up all these uh, Hispanic radio stations and because the Hispanics are starting to turn conservative and they, he doesn't want that. And I get angry at that. It's like, what, he's going to try and lie to people. But you know what? 
God is in control. Now it says, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. You know, it's really easy to be envious of people that have a lot because we don't have a lot. It's really easy to be envious of people that lie and cheat and steal. But one of the things that really changed my heart right in the beginning of my walk with the Lord 30-some years ago was in Psalm 73. I don't have the exact address for, for you, but the psalmist says that he was upset and he almost lost his way until he saw the end of the wicked. It broke his heart. So what God wants us to do is not to be angry at the wicked, not to be worried about the wicked, not to be envious of the wicked, but we need to pray for the evildoers. We need to pray that God changes their heart. You know, no one is above and beyond salvation. Amen? Look in the mirror. You're saved. When I look at myself, I think a lot of times like, wow, look at God has done in my life and look how he's working in my life. And the reason that the psalmist gives us here is in verse 2. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herbs. You know, in, in this life, if you read Revelation, it's all going to burn anyhow, right? Why worry about it? Now, we need to be good stewards. We need to do the best we can. And we're going to see here, you know, in the next verse, he talks, you know, what he calls us to do. But... <clears throat> They're going to get their end. We always have to remember that the unjust, that the evildoers, that the wicked, that they're going to get their end because God is faithful. God is just. So he says in verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. I love the word trust because it speaks to me of, of faith, but it goes even deeper than that. It's to have confidence in the Lord. My confidence is, isn't in myself. My confidence is in my God. I make mistakes. I make bad decisions. I, I can't have confidence in me. I can't have confidence in anybody else. But because I have the confidence in the Lord, this word can also mean to be bold. God wants us to be bold in these times. When I look at what's going on, like just the recent you know, overturning of Roe v. Wade, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of shrink back because there's so many people that are just vehemently against that. They're, they're, they're angry. But we can stand, be bold, and just talk about how, you know, we're so blessed that babies' lives are being saved, that God has a plan for each and every one of these kids. There's millions and millions of people that have died because of abortion. So to be bold with our faith and to be secure. As we trust in God, we can be secure that what he says he's going you know, to do, we can feel safe because of who he is and what he has said he'll do. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Probably everybody here should have this, <coughs> excuse me, in their memory banks, but this is the first proverb or first Bible verse that I ever memorized. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. So do I trust the Lord in just the little things or do I trust the Lord in, in the big things? Well, it says in all of your ways, trust the Lord 
with all of your heart in, in all of your ways. Because what he'll do is he'll work it out. It's a promise. I know from, from experience that there's so many things that go on in, in my life and around me that I don't understand. And it's easy for me to pass judgment or it's easy for me to, to try to figure it out when God just says, you know what, just trust me. That's, that's not of your concern, Wayne. Trust me. And do good. Just do the right thing. Good works. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58, it says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You ever feel like your work is in vain sometimes? I, I know that some of you probably have been praying for someone your whole life, you know, for years and years and decades, and there's no change in their life. Or, you know, you've been working at the same place, and, you know, you're always doing the right thing, and you're always trying to, to put forth a, a, a good witness. But then there's these other people that are evil and wicked, and they're lying, and they're, and they're, they're stealing, and they're cheating, and they get advanced. Well, God just says, keep doing good. Because when we keep doing good, God is glorified. And we do good, not because we want to have um, brownie points, if you will, from God, but we keep doing good because the, the God who is good, the Spirit of the God dwells within us, and he tells us, abounding good work, knowing that your labor is not in vain. And then Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. I'm sure Pastor Ed has shared this with you before, but that word in the Greek is poemen. And it's, it's, it's talking about a poem. Like we're his poem in process. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we need to look. Look around us. And, and what do you want us to do, God? Where do you want us to be? Help me to trust in you. Help me to seek you. And he says to dwell in the land. That means stay strong. Don't run away. Stay put. I think a lot of times, at least for me, <clears throat> it's easy to go, all right, I'm done. This guy is just stupid. This, this, this situation just is, is killing me. I can't, I can't deal with this any longer, so I'm done. That's easy for me. That's really easy for me to just walk away. But God says, no, stick it, stick it out dwell, dwell where you are. Years ago, I had a job in Des Moines, Iowa. I was a, I planted a church there, pastor for 13 years, but I was bivocational the whole time. And 10 of those 13 years, I worked for this great company. It's called Regency Homes. Uh, the Lord gave me a lot of favor with the president of the company, and I became like his right-hand man. And so I was his go-to guy. He'd say, hey, Wayne, I want to try this. I want to do that. Can you figure it out? I'm going, oh, yeah, sure. And I get done, I go, oh, Lord, I don't even know where I'm going to do, do with this, but I, just help me. You know, give, me. give me wisdom. Well, he had an assistant. His, well, I call them secretaries. And I know it's not probably politically correct, but I'm an old guy. So he had a secretary. And he used to say, go tell 
you know, her this, and go have her do that. And she just said to him, she says, you know what? I'm not, you're not my boss, and you, you can't tell me what to do. I said, like, well, I'm just explaining what Dick wanted me to tell you to do, and just, all right, I'm sorry. So I told Dick, I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I mean, if you want to talk to her, you have to talk to her. So that went on for a couple of years. But I'm, I'm the kind of guy that shows up early and leaves late. So I'd always get there, you know, before everybody else, unless I was out in the field. But I would always stay in the office till everybody else left because I didn't punch a clock. I didn't get paid by the hour. I just, I got a salary. And so she'd have piles of work on her desk that this needed to be copied, that needed to be copied. And so I started just doing her work for her and just putting it back on her desk with no, no notes or nothing. And, you know, just went on my way because in, inside I was like, oh, she's just, I can't believe how wicked this, this woman is. She was always trying to get me in trouble. So anyhow, one day I'm sitting in my cubicle and uh, I had made the mistake, oh gosh, I don't know, a year earlier and just said, man, you know, you're, you're such a servant. I'm really, uh, thank you for helping me. She was, I'm not a servant. I'm nobody's servant. She just got torqued at me. I said, okay, sorry, sorry. Well, she came to my cubicle though, like about a year later, says, hey, Wayne, remember, remember that, that thing you said about being a servant? I thought, oh no, here we go again. It's been a year, but she's going to bring it up again. She says, I get it now. I said, what? She says, yesterday I went forward at church and I'm a believer. I said, wow. You know, you never know. She didn't know I was trying to bless her. She didn't know I was, you know, just doing her work. And I was an executive, you know, what, what am I doing that for? Well, because God told me to. You know, we can get in people's face. We can worry about things. We can get involved in all the gossip at work or at school or in the neighborhood or with family. And that doesn't do any good. But God says to do good. You know, we're created for good works, so walk in them. Dwell in the land. Stay put where you are. And as you're doing that, feed on his faithfulness. We're nourished and we're strengthened through our Lord. He, he wants us to be strong. He wants us to be of good courage. And he promises us his spirit. We can't do it on our own. You ever try to do it on your own? It doesn't work, does it? No, you gotta just pray, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, lead me, guide me, direct me. Give me the, the right words. Help me. You know, even in all this here, so it's like, don't fret. Okay, Lord, help me not to fret. Don't be envious. Help me, Lord, not to be envious. Trust, what, what does that look like, Lord? How can I really trust in you? But he's, he wants to build us up in his faith. And here's part of it too. I think one of the, the key things that has been for me is, is verse four. The word here is delight. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord. Now, literally this word means delicate, tender, or to live a life of pleasure. So you think, oh, great. Then I can just, get what I want. God's going to give me what I want. He's like this, this magical genie. No, that's not what it's talking about. It really says, it's, it's a, a, a Hebrew idiom that really speaks of, seek your happiness in the Lord. Focus on him. So delight yourself in him. Seek your happiness in him. Amen? Remember years ago, the, 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 the song, you know, don't worry, be happy? It's, it's not that easy, is it? 
It's not about just, oh, okay, no worry, I'm just going to be happy and everything's going to be right. No, just delight yourself in who the Lord is, his person, his character. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of, scorn, of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, upon which he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So God desires us to walk in his ways and to delight ourselves in his law, in his word, in his precepts, because that's what's going to change our lives. As we make this a daily habit, and I have to admit, there's been times in my life where I haven't made this a daily habit. And you know what happens to my life? Just <laughs> bad attitude. Just ask my wife. You know, just if things bother me. I, I make decisions without praying about it. Just saying, oh, that, that, that makes sense. We'll just do that. But by delighting myself in the law of the Lord, by really putting myself in there and committing my ways to his ways, it's amazing. Because the promise here is that, in verse second part of verse 4, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Again, he's not the genie, but because I'm delighting myself in him, because my desire is him, my desire is his will, he's going to give me the desires of my heart because he's going to put those desires in my heart. God never wants to do bad to his people. But God will let his people go through bad times because he uses those things to strengthen us. So he's not going to just give us a, uh, you know, help us live in a bed full of roses, but he wants us to know that he's always there with us. And he's going to, he's going to work it out. You ever been in a really, really bad situation and just go, What's going on? What, what's going to happen? I, I don't, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, as you just immerse yourself in prayer and you're seeking the Lord, it's amazing how it works out, isn't it? You ever done it the opposite though, where you fret and you worry and, and you, you go to this person and you start talking about, you know, hey, we need to do this and that. And then you go to this person and work the other side of the room. And before you know it, just, it everything just blows up, right? Take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord and watch him. Trust in him. Dwell in the land. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in him. And not only that, verse 5 says, commit. Commit your way to the Lord. This is an interesting word because it literally means to roll off onto. To roll off onto. So again, it's a Hebrew idiom. So what it really means is to let him control your life. You commit your ways to the Lord and you ask him to control your life. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. You ever have bad thoughts? You ever have those times where you're just, you find yourself so consumed and all of a sudden you realize, wow, the Lord's not in this at all. But as we commit those thoughts, as we commit our works, we commit our ways to the Lord, as we roll off our cares of our life, basically casting our cares on him, 
Like Psalm 55 verse 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Roll it off your back. Roll it off. Get it out of your mind. And just say, Lord, this is yours. Here it is, Lord. I, I, I've tried. I've failed. I, I need you, so help me. And again, he says, trust also in him. So you commit your way and trust in him. Don't take it back. Don't try to, to, to figure it out. Don't try to change it. Don't try to work it through, but just <clears throat> trust in him and he shall bring it to pass. You guys probably know Philippians 4, 6, and 7, right? Another one of my favorite verses says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, I've committed that to memory. I've committed the Proverbs to memory, or the Proverbs you know, 3. And in Romans, you know, where it says that we know that all things work together for good. Because when I came to the Lord, I was a liar. I was a, not, not a, I, I, I was, how can I put it? Deep down, I was wicked. Outwardly, you would never know that because I'm a nice guy. Look at it. Don't I look like a nice guy, right? But I was devious, you know? It was all about me, what I could get. And I was lying so much in my, my work, lying to my boss, lying to subcontractors, lying to homeowners because I was in construction. I was just always worried. And then God shows me these verses. And God actually took me here to Psalm 37 too and just says, okay, Wayne, we're going to remold this whole thought process in your life. And you know what's awesome about it? Is that... I worry so much less about things. I, I, there's, it's, I have more peace. I can sleep at night. But you know when I'm worrying? You know what happens to me when I worry? 3.30 in the morning. Has that ever, ever happened to you? I wake up at 3.30 in the morning all the time. When, I, when I'm just consumed with all these things, I don't know what it is about 3.30 in the morning, but I just go, oh, it's only 3.30. And usually I don't go back to sleep. So it's like, okay. I just have to pray. I have to get in the Word and just try to get my thoughts back in, in, in what the Lord wants. So trust, dwell, delight, commit. Verse 6 says, And he shall bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as a noonday. Simply spoken, it's like, he'll clear your name. He will clear your reputation. He will guard your, your reputation. He'll guard you know, your person and, and what other people really think about you. Just as the sun rises and the sun sets every day, God will take care of you. Verse 7, rest in the Lord. That's one thing that is really hard for us to do. Our minds just go and go. But really what this word rest speaks of is to be silent, to be still, to wait. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. 
You know, wait, wait patiently. Don't wait and then go, well, he's not doing anything, so I better take care of it. No, just wait. God just wants us to rest in him, to rest in his faithfulness, to, to trust in him. So rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Wait longingly, wait expectantly, knowing that he will bring it to pass because he's a good God. Amen? So Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. How many people here like to wait? Liar. <laughs> I hate waiting, to be honest with you. You know, I'm at the stoplight, and I go, ah, why are these people being so nice and letting these other people in? Don't they know I'm in a hurry? I need to get someplace? You know, or just waiting in line. I mean, I, I'm confessing, you know, but the Lord says, you know, get over yourself. And that's most of our problem, right? We don't want to wait because we're so consumed with ourselves and what we want and where we want to go and what we want to be. And God has told me time and time again, Wayne, just get over yourself. Trust in me. Serve others. Love others. Do good. Do all the right things that, that I'm telling you here and just watch. I'm going to make it happen. So rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, verse 8, and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. It's like I said when we first started out, when we worry, when we're angry, when we're upset, it just causes harm. The the chemistry in our bodies is such that it releases all these chemicals in our body and you can get sick. You can worry yourself sick. I mean, that's a saying, but it's the truth. We can get angry and we could just live a life that's not what the Lord wants. So don't consume yourself with the evil of the world. Do good. You know, keep your eyes on the prize, the upward calling in Christ Jesus. So verses one through eight here, they really speak a lot of to, to our hearts and what God's called us to do. And we're going to run through some of the rest of this. There's 40 verses here. We're not going to go verse by verse, but this is why God wants us to trust, to dwell, to to delight, to commit our ways to him, to rest in him, and cease from anger, because he has it all worked out. Verse 9 says, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the, but the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? That's in the Beatitudes, in Matthew 5, 5. The meek shall, shall inherit the earth. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is power under control. Meekness is trusting the Lord, waiting on the Lord, doing the right thing, and then watching him move in us and through us and around us. Verse 12 says, The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him. I love that. I underline that. 
and I highlighted it, and I put, ha ha. You know, I think the Lord's laughing at the wicked. You know, they think that they're getting places. They think they're doing things. They think they're controlling the world. But God says, no, you're not. You're just part of my plan. It says, because he sees, for he sees that his day is coming. God knows every man's day, right? No man knows the day or the hour, but God knows every man's day. Every man's day is numbered. Verse 14 says, The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are upright, of upright conduct. Their swords shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. God's going to deal with the, with the wicked. Let's dump, jump down to verse 21. It says, the wicked borrows and does not repay. I, knew some, I know some wicked men. I've known some wicked men who cheat, lie, steal to get everything they can. But for us, it says here, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. God wants us to be givers. God wants us to be cheerful givers. Paul tells us that. Paul says that God wants us to be hilarious givers, really, giving of our time, giving of our resources. It's not just money, but give. Give, give as, as much as we can give because that's the right thing. It says, verse 22, for those blessed by him shall inherit the earth and those cursed by him shall be cut off. Verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the, the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly ca be cast down but the Lord upholds him with his hand. So the good man, the good woman, God's going to march or watch our steps and help us to march in order. But we have to do these things in verse 8. We have to ask, or verses 1 through 8, we have to ask him, Lord, help me through this process. Help me to do these things. Verse 25 says, I have been young and now I'm old. As you can see, I am old, the gray hair. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. So as we're a man and a woman of God, as we're you know, living righteously because we're righteous, you know, you and I are righteous because of what Jesus did. Amen? Amen? We're justified because of what Jesus did. But we should live righteously also so that our descendants are blessed. So that, again, it says here that he, he is ever merciful and lends. I mean, God really desires for us to not have a, a, a tight hold on our, our money and our resources our cars, our homes, everything. God, God wants us to, to be givers, to be generous. Verse 27, depart from evil and do good and dwell forever for the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. So are you getting the idea? Live a righteous life. Live, live a right life. Listen to the Lord. Do you have a friend that you've forsaken because of a misunderstanding? 
Do you have a neighbor that you ignore because they're annoying? Is there someone at work that you just really don't like, you know, because they're wicked and they're evil? Well, I want to encourage you, pray that God will give you opportunities to bless those people. Pray that God will give you opportunities to live righteously among them. I can't tell you how many non-believers that I come across on a regular basis that tell me that, you know, one of the problems they have with Christianity is Christians. You know, they, they see how we act sometimes or don't act. And so, you know, God wants us to be loving and giving, not just to say praise the Lord and amen and, you know, tell, you know act like, we, you know, when we come to church and say, you know, all the Christianese, but when we're in the world and amongst the world, God wants us to be that light. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that you are a light. And he wants to put us on that light on, on a hill. We don't put the light under the bushel basket or in a basket. He wants us to be the light of the world. And it's kind of interesting. In our business, you know, we're Christians and, you know, we, we, I talk freely about the Lord when opportunities arise, but we don't have our website all pasted, you know, with Christian stuff, just by choice, because I want to have the opportunity to go into every walk of life when I have. I, we go into house, people's houses that are really decadent and, you know, going up people's houses that I, I don't know for sure, but I see, you know, like wicked things. I go, man, these people are really wicked. They're like devil worshipers, but I can be a witness, you know, by just being a light. One guy told me last week, he said, yes, he asked, how'd you get in this business? I told him the story that a friend of ours helped us get started, and, I, and you know, that I was a pastor and a missionary, and then we, we put that aside just because I couldn't, I just couldn't find it in me to be, to be bivocational anymore because I was 60 years old, and it's like, I, just, I don't have the energy to do both. I'm not like Pastor Ed, who's like the ever-ready bunny you know, running around here. But he, he, he said, you know, he said, you know, well, I, I'm glad that you don't paste your Christianity all over your, your website. You know, why is that? He said, well, because it's easy to say one thing and do another thing. And he, he went off on this whole triad of different things. And he'd ask my opinion. I start to tell him. And as soon as I started pointing it to Jesus, he'd change the subject again. And then I pointed to Jesus and he'd change the subject again. But it was an opportunity. The guy was a Catholic or grew up Catholic, but he's atheist now. And, you know, it's just interesting how God puts those kind of people in our lives if we're willing to be used by God. I think one of the biggest problems that we have as Christians, and I've been guilty of it, is that we want to stay in our holy huddle. Now, if you're a brand new believer, I'd say stay in the holy huddle. Get strong, get, get built up. But there's a time in your life when God's calling you to go back, not into the world, to live like the world, but to be amongst the world and be a light in the world and to be bold to proclaim Christ. Because as we trust and dwell and delight and commit, God's faithful. Don't fear evil. Don't fear and worry about and be angry with these wicked people that are all around us, but trust the Lord. Amen? It's hard. Let me tell you, I fail uh, miserably um, weekly 
But I always say, Lord, forgive me. That was a huge opportunity, and I blew it. So, Lord, would you open another door for me? And he does all the time. But he wants us to be bold. He wants us to be bold as lions, not to cower in the corner. Because as we trust in him, as we commit ourselves to him, as we dwell and delight in him, God will bring it to pass. Amen? So let me ask you here, uh, if, if you're listening on the radio, if you're online or someone here that is just trying to figure out Christianity and figure out your life or you've backslidden and you don't know, am I really, am I a believer even? You know what? God wants you to know <clears throat> that he loves you, that God wants to do a work in your life. And God sent his only begotten son to die for us, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. No man is guaranteed tomorrow. And if you're at home watching or listening, I just want to encourage you, or if you're here, you know, there's going to be pastors up here to pray with you and for you at the end. I even say that Maybe you've been struggling with something. You've been struggling with a lot of anger and you need to confess that. Come forward and repent and pray with the, the, the people that will be up here you know, with that intent to, to, to pray with you. Because God doesn't want you to stay in the world. God doesn't want you to stay in the state of anger and despair and worry. God wants to set you free, free from the world and free from worry, and free from anger. Amen? Lord, I just want to thank you so much for this opportunity to come here and uh, to share your, your word with your people. And Lord, I just ask that if you touched anybody's heart here today, that you would encourage them, that you would build them up in your most holy faith. There's people that are listening or people that are here that don't know you, Lord. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would grab their hearts and Lord, that you would bring salvation to their homes, to their households, to their lives. So Lord, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. We pray your blessings on Pastor Ed and Maria as they come home later this week. And Lord, bless this church. Bless the academy. Watch over everything that goes on here. And just pray for your protection in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.